hi. Uh, you can call me Lisa. I'm active on TikTok as Lisa Talk. I talk about politics, feminism,、uh, my experience growing up in China for 18 years. Feminism、uh, is important、um, not just to overseas Chinese women, but to the, I guess, to the entire Chinese diaspora or Chinese people in China. It's like the only area right now we can still have freedom to fight for basic human rights. It's not、um, fully censored as workers' rights、um, or.、Um, Some other social problems China experience. I grew up in China, like I think, pretty stereotypical, like economic-wise, but、uh, not so traditional, like from family-wise.、Um, so I mentioned on my TikTok before, I transferred a lot. I went to good schools. I went to bad school. I come from a small city.、Mm, in my talk with my family, was still struggling.、Uh, I think things start to get better when I was twelve. Growing up during the '90s till 2010 period for the '90s generation was very unique. We were exposed to a lot of work culture on television, and it was a time like everybody was progressive or open-minded, and the censorship wasn't that strong. And you know, internet <laughs> was a Was different. It, it was a MySpace period, similar to people who are in Europe or U.S. So, yeah, we we grow up. We were taught to be independent. We were taught to break the norm. We were taught to save China in many ways. And China was still a developing country. It had many severe conflicts, and we witnessed. We grow up with all that. Yeah, and for my family, it's interesting. All the women in my family are not very conventional Chinese women, <laughs> or I don't know. I I don't know. Might be, it might be the reality. All the women are like that. But yeah, my mom's side grandma is a doctor. My dad's side grandma, she's like a top technician in the factory. And my mom is one of the best engineers in her field. So. Yeah, the, there was no idea of gender when I grew up. I didn't know like women were less, at least、um, until I get into college. And as I start to encounter being treated differently due to my gender in college, I start to gradually try to cope with it, or like try to understand it. And then、um, I realized, oh, it was it was、uh, it was due to my gender. So for many years, I. You know, I was pick me for a while. I I tried to fit into the social standard. I like every girl. We want to be prettier, skinnier. We, we want to be praised as a good woman in society. But gradually realize that's impossible and that's an oppression. So there's a certain moment I wake up. I think until in my grad school, yeah, and、um, I start to read about it and I realize, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> I think my family. Protect me pretty well, or like in school, I I think there was always math teachers who are women. I used to look up to them.、Um, I I really really like math. Yeah, I I think school is very unique. It put a lot of women in that position to teach, and you know some of them are powerful, and you don't yeah you don't see an obvious like 
sexism in school system in China because we were just taught to study as hard as the boys. I grew up in the city, though. I think it's very different in rural China, and I think yeah, I'm definitely privileged comparing to many kids. So I talked about、um, since twelve, my family is doing better, and both my parents have a undergrad degree. That's very weird. It, it, it's subjected to education level and your economic status in many cases. I feel I live in United States.、Um, we're very subjected to the WeChat censorship. So just like any other commentary, journalists, articles, news reporters, they are all subjected to the specific algorithm of social media, like Weibo, WeChat. You're not encouraged. To talk about feminism, at least, and for many overseas Chinese, you still live in a digital Chinatown, which means、um, not just us, but the people who immigrated here in the nineties and the eighties. They share articles to their kids, which grow up in the United States. They they receive information in our first language. That's a preferred way of digesting information for many first generation immigrants. And because of the censorship, and not just for certain news, the censorship for certain progressive language,、uh, the censorship for certain ideas, especially in popular culture, it make a lot of things impossible or non-existent. So you can't even possibly start a conversation, for example, about feminism with a lot of people because they had no exposure due to censorship. So that's scary, and、uh, things start to change though gradually. And people repost, for example, feminism articles. They start to、uh, find area, for example, talking about celebrities' life, and then plotting some feminism thoughts. So though that helped a lot to spread awareness, especially among women.、Um, I think I see this starting from twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen. So. It's shaping、uh, how a lot of women reflect on their roles in family and、uh, in dating. How do they face men? It's it's really really helpful. And、um, another part is I live overseas in China. I don't find any specific Chinese related organization actually supports us. I can say that for the entire Asian community, or like I received a lot of help from many of the organization for sure. But in the case of、um, you know conflict. Or like women being the victim, the organizations does not necessarily protect us. So if you just go to the Chinese embassy website in the U.S., it talk about definition of domestic violence. It try to advise the men to be careful, not to abuse kids, wife, girlfriend, and they explain this as a cultural difference, which is mind blowing. But it's still there; you can find it.、Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't tell women how to get help. It's ridiculous. Oh, if you want to talk about the Chinese marriage law, it's also available online for everybody to check it. Yeah, the divorce pulling off period was—I I can't remember the time it was. It was there a couple years before, and、um, and actually before this, if you look into the court decisions on divorce, many court has received order from.、Uh, Don't know how, from their top branch、uh, to stop women from pursuing a divorce on the first trial unless they repeal and go to the second trial. That was a systematic issue. 
it's becoming harder and harder nowadays. Like to fight for your rights, especially for married women.、Uh, there are many ways to gaslight,、um, including like especially the women have kids. They will try to persuade the women to stay as a caregiver. If you kept a stranger against their will, it's against a criminal law. However, if you do that with a marriage certificate, that's fine. That's、uh, taking care of the women with a good will. Uh, if you just beat up a stranger and cause disability for someone, that's sentenced from three year to death. However, if you do that with a marriage certificate, that's domestic violence and abusing family members. So usually the police just educate, criticize, and then you are sentenced to up to seven years only. If you rape someone <laughs> without a marriage certificate, that sentence starts from three years to death penalty. But if you rape someone <laughs> with a marriage certificate, you can get away with it. So in many cases, the marriage certificate—I don't know—it's like a, it's like a slave ownership or something for women. <laughs> Majority of my audience are from United States. I think it's like ninety or eighty percent. I think it's because of the algorithm. It's related to your physical geographic location. So I went onto TikTok because I got frustrated doing my activism work with a nonprofit organization, Chinese for Affirmative Action. I'm a columnist, so I specifically write articles to educate、uh, first-generation immigrants about American politics and how to see things from a progressive, a liberal view in my first language. And、um, I just received a lot of. Like non-supportive voices during that time, it's really hard.、Um, we have to live under the the censorship, so we have to find a way to get around it. And、uh, there's not a lot of us. Like I can literally count the people I know who share the same side, but this side in English is a majority. So I used to just browse videos on TikTok to. Get an idea of many progressive ideas, so I can do my studying or research afterwards. I learn a lot by doing that, and I introduce many ideas that's not even existent in the Chinese language.、Mm. But、uh, what I can do from U.S. to China is very limited, or like U.S. to the Chinese diaspora is very limited. So I'm like, oh, maybe I can do the the other way. <laughs> so I can talk about China in English. I can get more people to understand what's actually going on. Why we're so frustrated? You know, U.S. it still has a dominating voice. The, how the U.S. Re- audience respond, how the U.S.、Uh, audience pay attention to something that become international, that will make a lot of things change much faster. Faster. It, it's not very optimistic for me. I think、um, in the beginning, I built a lot of. Uh, interesting connections. I still have a, like a good connection with many people on that platform. It exposed me to a lot of demographic I don't even have a chance to interact with. For example, someone like you in real life, and that's awesome. We learn a lot from each other. But I feel like social media I tend to segregate people. The algorithm tend to push people to be more extreme. So it can be extremely dangerous, especially for teenagers, to land on the wrong side of TikTok. It's a it's a place you can engage, but you cannot keep engaging with it. I feel like some of my followers also talk to me about, "Wow, TikTok is very abusive. 
has a lot of hate, especially against Chinese. That's not the reality, okay? Guys, keep re- remember that this is just a part of our life. And I feel like the Asian community is very fragmented in many ways. So it's really hard to address like first generation immigrants' perspective, especially. I think there are less than five like who are actually talking about this stuff coming from mainland China, which is insane. China has 1.4 billion people and just five of us on an international, the largest platform. Oh, the Chinese TikTok, I can talk more about it. There's a documentary called People's Republic of Desire. It shows you like live streaming creators in China. It's different business model. So for Chinese TikTok, which is Douyin, if you have 10,000 followers, you can already monetize your channel pretty well. Or why? Because just think about the population difference. Okay, they all speak the same language. It's a country with 1.4 billion population. It's a place that culture can update much, much faster. Popular culture, the trends. You have more competitors comparing to your niche here in an international platform. During that process, the platform also have a strong, clear guideline for censoring stuff that's allowed on TikTok. Like every single TikTok I post could be censored on Douyin if I say something similar.、Uh, my entire account will get canceled. If your account has made well, which is America in its username. You get canceled. This happened to one of my friends. In general, it's a platform that's、um, that's very well regulated. That's consistent with the propaganda China wants to push. So you live in a very narrow space, and you have to compete with other people, and you have to keep entertaining people. If you're like a creator, you you're like playing game. There's easy mode. There's a hard mode. For TikTok, that's definitely easy mode. For Douyin, that's extra hard. A lot of creators are professional just by doing Douyin. They can make a good revenue. Many of the creators who win from this competition, they get to join TikTok, and they are sponsored by the money in China. They have a full ecosystem of converting that traffic and attention into promoting consumer products, promoting events, promoting certain propaganda China want to push. But the ironic thing is, you always have a positive experience as a user on Douyin. Not like TikTok, it opens, it shocks you, it makes you feel depressed, it makes you reflect. It's not the same on Douyin. Douyin is like after a long day of stressful work, you can always open Douyin. It's always safe and happy. There are organizations、uh, like feminism organizations in China, and they are also international. So many of them. Are、mm, in Europe or in United States? I can't give you like specific information. There are some Instagram pages I follow, and some organizations like Why Not, and there is scholars. It's very interesting. China do allow scholars to support feminism and study it. There is also like the Women's Association in China, so Fu Lian. It was founded by. By the CCP members' wives, for the one who are actually pushing fem- feminism movement, is very different. There are a couple different group. So for the feminists in China, you you know people who self-identify as feminists in China, there are a couple different groups. Most people who actually participate in feminism movement, they probably came across some statement 
some posts on Weibo, which is the Chinese version of Twitter. It's not organized. It's more like a voice, similar to TikTok, hating men, addressing men's situation in the patriarchy, and they want to create a space for especially single women to pursue our rights and freedom in our life, and they want to build a safe space for. Many victims of sexual violence or the systematic sexism in the marriage law to talk about their struggle. So they've done that very well.、Um, and for me and the many people who、uh, who try to bring this information in English to get international attention, I think we're just trying to help as much as we can. But we can't say like we did more than the women who are actually fighting in China. I feel that's very sad. Um, and I think feminism do have a network in China in many universities. They unite together and try to change school policy, try to、uh, bring awareness to the school management level. And there are also women who are fighting for specifically women's workers' rights. All these people, they're just doing it because we believe in a better future for all women. And in many cases, feminists in China are. Stigmatized as a foreign influence, 境外势力 which means we're infiltrating China with Western feminism idea to challenge the United China idea to to split China.、Uh, it's, it's good old xenophobia, right? So for Hong Kong and Taiwan, the women was definitely you can't generalize saying、uh, the the. They had more freedom than us. It, it wasn't like Hong Kong women were subjected to the second wife system until the seventies, which is、uh, a part of the law during that time. I, I that's a very good way, like maybe for us to unite in the future. But、um, but it's ironic. Like I, I think for the subgroups like feminism, feminists in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, in mainland China. We're probably more segregated compared to, you know, for example, Chinese men and women who are feminists who are not feminists. I think the ways for voicing these issues in English is not the same as in Chinese. First of all, that's that's very very important, I guess, in journalism. Um, so we do see, like, for example, social media.、Uh, a lot of people sharing the mother of eight case got translated into English and went on to all the major.、Um, Media outlet in the United States, for example, I think CNN, BBC,、um, Wall Street Journal. I, I can't remember. Probably all of them covered the matter of eight. And the Chinese people were like, "Oh, it's becoming international." They feel, they feel they have more confidence. They feel they have allies outside of China. But in reality, you're we're really not encouraged to talk about this in in any way. Or like in a conversation you can have with your friends over the phone, it's not it's not as worry free as you think. For now, when I, whenever I use my first language chatting with my family, I have the censorship in my mind. Something I can't say, or my mom would text me something and then take it back. And we are once again stigmatized as a foreign influence, or. China tend to invalidate the voices、um, which is posted by these me- media outlets, which I totally understand. They're very racist. They probably use it as a part of the agenda to talk against China, or they try to reinforce the evil China idea、uh, instead of actually addressing the problem. In many cases, so there's a problem. It's like, oh, 
are we actually helping or are we actually fueling xenophobia? Of course, we all ask us uh, that question. But uh, for something like the women got chained and given eight children, I don't think there is there's trade-off. <laughs> you just need to talk about it. It's, it's a basic human rights issue. It's not just women. Actually, before I go on to TikTok, I don't think I'm that obsessed or like that have that much interaction with my culture. For many things I share on TikTok, I just came across it on Douyin or I look it up or I oh, I suddenly being reminded of a part of the things I re- experienced as a kid. So I share it and I kind of like learning a lot of things through this process. The Western narrative about China has a very specific guideline from my perspective. It's like how modern, modern stereotype works, modern media works. So that's one of my uh, channel's purpose. I want to challenge the existing biases or negative stereotype about China. I made a sarcastic TikTok before. I'm like, if you want to negatively stereotype it, at least stereotype it as a place which don't treat women and children well and it's enforced by law. It's especially desperate for me talking to a lot of Asian Americans when they talk down about China because they grow up in this space. The entire language is dedicated to spread yellow peril, to spread the place where their ancestors come from and uh, project their insecurity onto a place they actually have never been to. And I feel really bad because the people who are most affected by this are the people who only have exposure to these media information instead of people who you know, have an interest to actually study it or who are privileged enough to go travel there, who are more open-minded, who are willing to learn and listen. Not these people who are affected. And the people who do believe in the hate speech or very biased view against China, they lost many opportunities during globalization. We aren't the victim of believing those propaganda. The media is creating victim in the United States to hate a place which everybody could have a potential over there. That's how I see it, and it's really sad. In general, feminism is still very stigmatized, and people don't want to get involved. So it's in a very preliminary stage. In Chinese translation, it's 女权主义, which means women's rights for feminism. And some people want to change it to 女性主义, which means women movement. So it's a little bit more... Subtle. For the queer community and transgender, I don't think Chinese gay like guys are on the same side as we are, as far as I know. The lesbians, they are even more mild. And then uh, trans people and the queer people, they are a part of it, I would say. I'm, I'm generalizing, of course. It's not like everybody. I think many people, like guys in social science, some are like lawyers, um, some are like social science researchers, they support feminism a lot. It's already a big step up if, um, if I would say 50% of the younger generation of Chinese can, can have the courage to talk about feminism online or offline. That would be like a goal for, I think, for a lot of people right now. It's not even there yet. The most important um, is something I can share my therapist told me last week. So I think many of us are very very frustrated during a certain period of the activism work when you try to voice for women's rights. And I think it's important we remember why we started doing this in the first place. 
we are trying to help to build this world to a better place, and we are trying to unite with all women so we can have more positions and the power in the system in making decisions. We can have more fortune. We can build a better tomorrow. So what happened to our grandma? What happened to our mother? What happened to some of us? Don't need to repeat in history again. I think it's really, really important that we have faith to see that day to come. And during this process, it's not going to be easy and happy. But we do what we do. We're believing that day will come. And and I think that's probably the most important for me right now. I can't give you hands-on suggestions, advice, how to achieve this. <clears throat> I think every community has its own way of solving this, but we sh- we shouldn't stop. This comes to the problem of intersectionality, right? So for every feminist to fight against very specific group issue, there is a unique way to deal with it, and I think we can learn. From the experience and stories, like encouraging stories from each other, we can get inspiration from it. We definitely need to tell more stories about women. That's what I do. Not just suffering experience, but also brave women's experience. What they have done to human being to address their contribution. And we we should have a space for everybody to cherish that. To say, oh yeah, you did great, and so we can move forward.